The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 6.30, Chad. In over the line, Arvidsson to Forsberg, wrist shot, save, rebound, score, Arvidsson. 5.08 to play, third period, and Arvidsson, who again began the game on the fourth line, now That's has a familiar pair. story for the Edmonton Oilers. They can't hang on to a lead. They make too many mistakes. They can't finish their own chances, and it all adds up to another loss. Their 33rd regulation time loss of the season. They're now 27-33-4 on the season. They led Nashville 2-0 late in the second period. All told, the Predators score four goals in 20 minutes and 28 seconds to win the game 4-2. Victor Arvidsson had two of them. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 9.55. In Rogers Place, it's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, along with former NHLer Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Well, there's another one down the tubes, Rob. <laughs> well, I mean, they are playing against arguably the top, one of the top three teams in the National Hockey League, and many that many people think this might be the best team now. They are deep. They are good from the goaltender out. I, I thought the Oilers played a, a strong hockey game. I thought they they had their opportunities to win this game. The, I thought for the first half of the third period in a 2-2 tie that they carried uh, the play. They had the better of the chances. Pekka Rene was outstanding tonight. He made every big save that he had to make. There was chances when the Oilers were up 2-0 to extend it. A couple mistakes. One, uh, a, a really big one at the end of the second period by a young rookie playing in his first National Hockey League game. And then a, a, a huge mistake late in the third period by a veteran that plays on your fourth line. And Zach Cassian, you just there when you're in a, a role, uh, a role player, a role position on on a hockey team like a third, a third or fourth line player. There's things you can and cannot do. You cannot turn the puck over uh, on your side of center late in a hockey game. You know, if it's a Connor McDavid or a Leon Draisaitl or someone of that ilk, you're given a little more leeway on what you can and can't do when you have the puck on your stick. But when you're a third or fourth liner, you cannot. You've got to get pucks in deep. You've got to get pucks off glass. And he, he turned the puck over after losing his check, and it comes back and it haunts the Oilers. That became the game-winning goal. So uh, this is a game that uh, I thought they, they battled hard. I thought they competed hard. I thought some players who have struggled as of late, like a Milan Lucic, Lucic had a strong game. But at the end of the day, the team that is better, and that is the National Predators, found a way to win. Yeah, well, I mean, the Oilers had chances, and whether it's they, they didn't finish or Rene made the saves, I mean, they had chances to extend it to 3 nothing. Nurse had two, I mean, the Oilers had four chances in 20 seconds. That was unbelievable. I wrote them down between 7.58 left and 7.41 left. Nurse, two chances. Kara got the turnover, tried to go five-hole. Big save by Rene, and then Aberg looked like he had that chance in tight. I think he might have just whiffed on it. Well, and there was the one by uh, Kajula, too. You might have been writing at that point. That might have been the best of them all, as, as Kajula gets a one-timer that tried to go short side. It, it was, the, I mean, if he could bottle that up, that, the excitement that the came into the rink over that 25 seconds, it, it, the place went crazy. It, Pekka Rene showed you why he is one of the world's best at that moment, but... The one thing that we talked about at the beginning of the game that the Nashville Predator ha- Predators have is depth. And we saw that tonight because their third and fourth lines were very good. And I don't know if it was, I think, I'm guessing Watson, I'm guessing that's their fourth line. You're not going to find a prettier goal. I mean, that was a tic-tac-toe. And I felt bad for, on that one because Ethan Bear was on the ice. But he was going to cover for someone else. And then it goes back to his man. Uh, just the, They had two tic-tac-toe plays that didn't involve their best players. Two of the goals they scored were, th- were all three players touched the puck, bang, 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 and it was in the net. It just shows you the depth they have, and that's why a lot of people are picking them to come out of the Western Conference again. Yeah, and I, I said off the top, it's a familiar story, and yes, the Oilers have been blown out several times this season, and those have been frustrating, but they've lost a lot of games in, in the third period, in the last 10 minutes of the third period, where there's a play to be made, 
and they don't make it, and then there's a mistake to be made, and they're they're often the team that, that makes the mistake where the other team capitalizes on the chances. And, and there, there are games for the Oilers where it's hanging in the balance, and they don't make the key. I mean, even San Jose, like they get they get killed in the second period. Lucic misses the open net. Could have pulled them within a goal. They could have been going to the third period in a game they were outplayed down one. Instead, they're down three. And and tonight in the third period, the, the chances don't get in. Rene spectacular. And a couple of bad puck management situations where, as Todd has said, sometimes you got to punt. And instead you try a risky play and it winds up in your net. Well, I mean, the Oilers are the 26th, 27th best team in the National Hockey League. Oh, those, yeah. Well, those, they deserve it. Yeah, those teams don't make the right plays at the right moments. The teams that are Nashville, which is number two in the National Hockey League, they do make those teams, those plays. They do get those saves. They do get those goals at the right time. And the Oilers, I mean, you just saw a great team playing against a poor team, and the result was exactly what you would have expected. Nashville takes it 4-2. GM David Poyle, I didn't know if somebody kept track of this stat. I know, it's kind of is funny. Is now the winningest GM in NHL history with 1,320 regular season wins as a general manager. And who did he pass, do you know? He passed Glenn Sather. Yeah, exactly. Passed Glenn Sather, and he did it here in Edmonton. So, kind of neat. I mean, I know that Bob talked about it at the beginning of the show. They've had one GM, one assistant GM, and two coaches in, in 20 years, is it? 20 years. So, Bob talked about that. It shows you what you have. When you have consistency in your organization... Um, you can have consistency on the ice. And uh, they've had the right people in place for a long, long time. And they've built this team to be not a team that's going to be a flash in a pan. This is a team that's going to be good for a long, long time. Victor Arvidsson with two goals. The first star, Connor McDavid, with his 29th of the season, also had an assist. He's the second star. Pecorine picked as the third star. Our fourth star for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Rob, <laughs> four star for you, the Edmonton Oilers. You, you you want a you want a loss right here? Um, for the Edmonton, there was some guys. That, you know what? Let's give it to. Let's give it to. Yeah, it was a. Uh, let's go with Pontus Aberg, playing against his old team. He yeah, had created yeah, a couple okay chances. Yeah, yeah. No okay game. Yeah, he actually they changed the lines around a bit. Yeah, eventually they did. he came they up and started right playing with Leon a little bit. Yeah, and. Then, he does have speed, and he wanted to put a show on today, and he got under the skin of of um, P.K. Subban for a while. P.K. wasn't very happy with him, so yeah, we'll go with Pontus. Oilers lose 4-2 to the Predators. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We have Marco kicking off the calls tonight. Hello, Marco. Hey, how's it going, you guys? Good. Um, I just got a quick question for you guys. I'm just curious why the Oilers can't seem to play 60 minutes of hockey. Like, we come out of the gate, guns a-blazing, playing absolutely beautiful hockey. Everybody on the team's playing playing great hockey, and then it just seems like we, we almost stop and stop playing. Well, I, I think part of it, I, I don't think any team plays a complete 60 minutes. The The problem for, for the Oilers is when they have their off time in a hockey game, they get punished more. And, and there's a bigger drop-off. When they're playing well, they're at a certain level. But when they drop off, it's a big drop-off. Other teams, good teams, when they have their drop-off, they aren't punished. They don't just – it's not all of a sudden a two-goal lead disappears and now you're tied or you're down. So I, nobody plays the perfect 60 minutes, but other teams uh, mediocre or the other team's average isn't as painful or isn't as – um, killing as 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 the Oilers are when the Oilers have a when they fall asleep or when they make a mistake, it seems like it costs them every time. Yeah, the other team does more damage. Yes. when the Oilers have their, that was the, I was looking for a yeah, word. And that's when the, it. And when the Oilers have their burst, they don't do as much damage. Nope. I mean, the middle, I don't know, seven eight minutes of the second period, the the Oilers controlled territorially. They caught up on the mm. shot clock. That was McDavid when McDavid had his breakaway. They had the third and fourth lines go in a succession and apply a lot of pressure. Got shots. Can't score. And, and even the first ten minutes of the third period, the Oilers were they were leading in the shot clock at that at that point, and they couldn't capitalize. And Nashville did. In all, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that when I mean this phone call that we just got from this caller and a lot of the people that call their show, they're they're setting the bar what the Oilers were last year. 
and that's why they get disappointed. The Oilers aren't last year's team anymore. The Oilers are 26, tied for 26, 27th in the National Hockey League. So the expectations are for them to do what they did last year. They're not as good as they were last year. Uh, a lot of players are underachieving. This is a team that needs to get better in the offseason and come back and find where they are, where they, what they can do and what they're capable of. But I, I think that so there was the expectations and what we saw last year and the hopes and dreams that this is a team that's going to continue going straight up on on the on the curve here it isn't so that's why yep. it's just this this is who they are I, when you're in a 20 game stretch at the beginning of a season you can say it's just an aberration. When you're 62 games into a season, this is who you are. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Off, we're often talking about the same things. Yep. The roster is not good enough. Nope. It's it's to me it's it's surprisingly how much it's dropped off, and I do think confidence and some mental oh, things yeah, certainly is. are issues. And you know, I, that caller asked about you know playing for 60 minutes, and like you said, Rob, a team rarely has it going for 60 nope. minutes. And McClellan has a good line he often uses: the the opponent gets in the way. And for times tonight, the Oilers got in the Predators' way. Yeah, good, they good did, for them. you're right. But when the Predators got in the Oilers' way, like we said, they they could do more damage. And it's uh, I know it's frustrating to watch your favorite team lose over and over again, mm-hmm. and the Oilers fans have seen it far far too often for the last 12 years, but. It, it's not always effort. I mean, last year when the Oilers won 47 games, they didn't play 47 lazy opponents, right? They, they were no. able to, they, I mean, sometimes they did. Sometimes you got a team with a bad night, and the Oilers have had, F, you know, questionable efforts this year. But they're, like, they're legitimately getting beat. Like, they, they don't have, today they, did, they didn't have the experience in, in some in some positions yep. and, and they certainly didn't have the finish around the net like Nashville was able yeah, to Yeah, and, and tonight it wasn't a, a lack of effort to me. I thought I thought the Oilers pushed. I thought the Oilers worked hard. Uh, a, a couple times they didn't work smart, but you, when you go through and you, you find the mistakes that the Oilers made, and we've mentioned a few of them, we could also go through Nashville's uh, through what they did tonight. They made mistakes too. Their mistakes weren't as costly, and when they made a mistake, someone came up big to cover up, and, and, and a, a couple of the times it was Pekka Rene coming up with the big saves. I mean, Weber made a terrible decision that turned into a Connor McDavid breakaway, but we're not talking about it as much because Rene makes the save, yep. whereas Ethan Bear makes a, a mistake at the end of the second period, which creates a two-on-one, and we're talking about that more because Nashville took advantage of it. Predators win at 4-2. Let's go downstairs for GCL Diesel. For genuine diesel parts at great prices, visit GCL in the West End or online at gcldiesel.com. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. Todd, uh, overall, pretty solid game for your team. Get up early and just kind of see a lead slip away again. It was... um I thought it was a fairly evenly matched game. When it was all said and done, we made a few more mistakes than they did, and and I thought they were... um, they capitalized more on, on our mistakes than we did on theirs. Um, obviously, being up 2 nothing, you'd like to be able to to get it to three. Connor had the breakaway, didn't go in. And um, the goal at the end of the f- second didn't help us at all, uh, the momentum killer. But even after that, our team settled down. I thought we played a, uh, a solid third period. There wasn't much going on either way. And we had a, a couple breakdowns. You know, and by veteran players that should be able to make those plays late in the in the third, and it cost us. Uh, I was just going to ask you about those self-inflicted wounds. Uh, I mean, that, that's what they describe them as, and I, I know they happen in games. But you know, I mean, how frustrating is it when it's that important point of a game, and you expect those guys? Well, it's it's frustrating um, at any point in the game. Um, veterans, rookies, first game, thousandth game, uh, players make mistakes. Uh, but some of them are um, are more preventable than others. Uh, you know, you've got the puck in free ice and and try and go through people. That that's a tough one. And um, you know, if somebody was stripping a puck and and uh, knocking you off of it and, and taking it to the net, it'd be a little bit different. But um, you know, those are areas that we have to improve on. They didn't make those types of mistakes as many times as we did tonight. And uh, when we made them, they capitalized. When they made them, we, we didn't get enough out of that. What did you make of uh, Ethan Bear's first NHL game? I thought he looked confident. Um, he moved pucks well. He zipped pucks up. Um, I think you can tell a lot about how firm a young players' passes are and how accurate they are, and he made a number of those uh, throughout the night. The game sheet's not going to give you um, a true 
story uh, when it comes to his game. You're going to see dash three, but he's a victim of circumstances. Even on the second goal at the end of the period, there was a little bit of hesitation, but a lot of players would have hesitated. Do I go for that puck or not? Um, you know, I felt better and better of putting him on the ice as the game wore on. So that's, it's a good start for him. Tough team to play against. You had him a lot with McDavid's line. I'm guessing that that was just on purpose. Uh, do you like his puck movement ability or is it, in a, in a sense, a little bit of a way to kind of protect him? No, um, you know what? We wanted to see him in all situations. It, it wasn't... We weren't sitting in the locker room or in the, the coach's office saying, hey, you know what? Ethan Bear is playing tonight. We've got to make sure that we protect him. Let's play him. Let's, let's show a lot of confidence in him as a, as a coaching staff. Uh, let's put him in a lot of situations. Um, you know, their fourth line with Arvidsson there, they had the most even strength goals on their team as a, as a line. So you can't hide him against that team. He's going to play against tremendous players in all situations. So, uh, and that wasn't our goal. We didn't need to. He's a good player. The goal didn't come, but did you see a positive step forward for Lucic tonight? Yep. Um, and I know a lot's been made since we got back from the road trip and, and heading out and the streak and all that type of stuff. I think Milan's played better over the last four or five games. Um, one, it has to do with him dealing with frustration better. Two, I'm sure Connor's helping him out uh, a little bit. His teammates are, are behind him right now, uh, where he's led in the past. Now the teammates are pushing him, and, and um, you know he's not uh, he's making more subtle plays than he did in the past. So. Um, it's a step in the right direction. And a number of scoring chances just didn't go in. You guys were down by two. I think there was 3-10 on the clock. Did you give any thought to pulling the goalie there? What, what did you sense in that moment? No, we did. Um, you know, but we also wanted to um, just continue playing our players, rolling them out. Uh, we've been in that situation a number of times lately, gave up empty net goals, and it really feels like you lost the game uh, deeply. Uh, we weren't winning many face-offs, which was uh, also a problem. I think we ended up 28% or something like that at the end of the night. So odds on us having possession off a draw weren't real good either. Any update? Nugent Hopkins, will he be available Saturday? He's close. He had a good skate today. He'll work tomorrow. Um, I would say he's uh, over the 50% mark for Saturday. Okay, well, that's encouraging. Nugent Hopkins close to returning. Oilers lose tonight, though, 4-2 to the Nashville Predators. They were up 2-0 late in the second period, and then the Predators get four to win again, their 40th win of the season. Todd McClellan echoing some of the things we were talking about. Rob, some uh, some mistakes, some mistakes by veteran players, and the Predators all too happy to cash in. No Japanese Village goal light tonight. The Oilers have to score five or more in a game for us to turn that on on the Oilers page on 630ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village downtown Southside. And Northside. Hey, one of the things that we talked about in the keys of the game today where the Oilers had to play hard and they had to play smart. I thought the Oilers played hard tonight, but they didn't play, play smart enough. And when you're playing uh, good teams and, and on the verge of great teams, and Nashville's had a great season, you have to play smart. And uh, two of the goals, well, probably three of the goals, the Oilers just gave the puck away and made big mental mistakes and Nashville is a team that's uh, skilled and opportunistic, and when they get their chances, they capitalize, and that was just too much to overcome. So when, when you're playing good teams, you can't just work hard because they'll match your, your work ethic, and then they'll beat you because they're a little bit smarter. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Jamie hanging on the line. Good evening, Jamie. How's it going? Good. Yeah, you know, I agree with Rob. I think that the teams are getting better and the work ethic is probably a bit less important than it was in the past because every team's working hard. But uh, I, I honestly think it's like the biggest point I'd have to say is the, the running the four lines and the 60 is becoming more and more prevalent, I think, instead of, you know, putting loading up your top players on your top lines and... You know, when you have when you're running four lines like that, your weakest players are going to get exposed. And I I've been seeing it all year. Some of these guys are just they're causing goals at crucial points in games. And I just think you're only as good as your weakest player. Having and, said that, you know I, I understand what you're saying, but um, Nashville does load up their lines as well. It's just their their third and fourth lines are better. 
And, what do you but, mean they load up? Well, they're, well, their top lines are their best players. It's the, so it's not as though that Nashville's making four even lines. Their best players are playing on their top two lines. Yeah, but they're, Rob, their coach isn't isn't shifting lines throughout the game trying to load well, up the that's top no, line with, with eight minutes left in the third. Right? Well, yeah, but they well, first of all, they didn't have to because they were winning. I mean, they've got they had the lead. Two, they're they already had their lines loaded. The Oilers have to. The Oilers aren't as strong. That's why they have. They're they're trying to do whatever they can to, yeah. uh, to 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 I just match. Think it's a it's a philosophy and. Just yeah, but it's a philosophy only if you can only if you can do that. The Oilers aren't yeah. strong enough. I mean, they don't have. They can't put four lines but, out to match Rob, Nashville. If, if you show me Todd, a five game stretch of Todd rolling four lines evenly. Then I'll believe it. I yeah, haven't but, seen that. I no, haven't seen that. Okay, but, j- hold on. J- you guys are, I don't think you're going to agree. Let me ask you this, though, Jamie. To you, what would four lines encompass for the What would? How would you structure the Oilers' four lines cause they're, so they're about even? Because any line with McDavid on it is already going to be better than the rest, right? Well, I'm not saying four even lines. I'm saying roll your four lines. Quit tweaking in game. Quit, quit loading up the top lines. Like Todd has a habit of, oh, if they're in trouble, they need a goal. Let's load up the top line with McDavid and and Drysaitel. And then at the start of games, he'll separate them. I don't agree with that philosophy. And I'm just, I'm just saying. No, that's fine. But, I mean, you don't have, you don't have, you, you're allowed to have your own yeah, philosophy. Yeah, just my opinion. It's, yeah, it's just not a fact. Just watch. I will say this: watch games where you don't have an emotional investment. Mm-hmm. And track the lines throughout the game. Do that for a week and call us back. Okay. Can I make one more point? Of course you can. Okay. I honestly, I think Nurse, like they, I think they made a mistake putting him with Larson early in the year and separating him and uh, Larson and Clefbaum. I think it, right away it sent a message to Clefbaum that he was like he wasn't good enough for that top pair, and yeah, he struggled, but. It's again with that theme of McClellan shuffling all the lines all the time. So I I just think that that Nurse playing too high up in the lineup, like he doesn't have a lot of offensive upside, and I just I don't feel that he's good up up with that high of minutes. Like he just doesn't produce points, and I think it was a mistake from the beginning. But I'll I'll let you guys uh, go from here. Thanks. No, that's cool, Jamie. Good. We appreciate your thoughts for sure. Oilers lose four two to the Predators tonight. So they drop to 27, 33, and 4 on the season. Predators go to 40, 14, and 9, including 18, 7, and 6 on the road. We mentioned that David Poyle milestone, most wins as a GM in the history of the NHL. You will hear from him when we get back. Tony is our next caller. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. Perfect three of three. Forsberg ahead, activating. Reshot off the rush and a save made by Talbot on Weber. Rebound slid through Arvidsson and Pugliarvi left it for Zach Cassie. That's Cam Talbot's save of the game. Brought to you by RV Wars Massive Spring Clearance Sale. March 8th through the 11th in West Edmonton. Visit rvwars.ca for details. Cam Talbot making 30, uh, pardon me, 30, uh, I'm going to do my math again here, 37 stops. Pecorine makes 34. Predators win the game 4-2 over the Oilers. Also on the advantage, trailer rentals, out-of-town scoreboard. San Jose is up 7-1 on Chicago with eight minutes left. After two, the Kings lead the Blue Jackets 3-2. Bruins knock off the Penguins 8-4. Carolina wins 4-1 in Philadelphia. Panthers edge the Devils 3-2. Two assists and a fight for Patrick Maroon. Taylor Hall got a goal. Point streak now at 23. Lightning over the Stars 5-4 in overtime. Coyotes beat the Wild 5-3. The, the game, the, the Dallas game tonight, Oh, I still haven't seen that. It, it's un- So I know that the fans in, in Edmonton are, are frustrated with the, the goalie interference. Well, tonight in, in Tampa, Dallas, Tampa's up a goal with... I think it was like 15 seconds left in the game. And Sagan put, gets pushed into the goalie, but pushes the goalie, then hits the goalie's glove with his stick, knocks him out of the play. Dallas shoots a puck into a wide-open net, 
and they allowed it. They counted it as a goal, said it wasn't goal interference. And Cooper, the coach of Tampa on the bench, goes, I don't understand. I don't understand. You can hear him screaming it. So as much as here in Edmonton we are tired of all of the the, the goalie interference that have gone against us and how we, the players don't understand, the coaches don't understand, the fans don't understand here. This is a league-wide epidemic, as the Tampa Bay Lightning saw that tonight as well. And the Oilers lose 4-2 to the Nashville Predators. We have Tony on the line. Tony, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, guys doing tonight? Good. So I have a couple points here. Um, first one is, I know I may not be... I know I may not know this very well, but... The two teams that remind me of the Broad Street Bullies are both Nashville and the Ducks because they both play a very dirty game, in my opinion. Look at today, tonight's game, you know, they basically, at home, was basically complaining about everything. I have never seen such a big complaint in my life. Um, also, a couple players that have been really stepping up. I know McDavid, I know McDavid's our captain and everything like that, but it's nice to show, it's nice to see that he's actually starting to shoot more instead of make the other players play better because if he keeps on going at this rate, I could see a 110-point season in the, in the future. I'm not saying like in the next two or three years, but in the relative you know future. And another player is Anton Slavichev that I have noticed that he is actually really set up his game, even when he's not playing with McDavid. He's getting up on the play. He's, you know, he's actually trying to do something now because I don't know if it's because he's an interested free agent this, after, this come, after this season or not. Um, I just I want to know why I just want to know why the fact that it, when we have these kind of players who are doing actually really good, why can't we keep a lead and actually you know come out and be like okay you know what we actually played good like tonight I honestly for me we played good but it's it's Nashville I think that they they literally remind me of the Broad Street Bullies back well, in the eighties. I, well, honestly, I think that's the. I don't think they're anything like the Broad Street Bullies. Broad Street Bullies were mean and dirty and fought. Uh, the Oilers are a much tougher team than the Nashville Predators. The reason that the Oilers aren't able to hold the lead, Nashville's better. Nashville's a better hockey club than the Edmonton Oilers. And when both teams are playing their best, Nashville's going to win nine out of ten games. They're just a better hockey club right now. Um, so I mean, so I, I think that's the simplified version of why. The Oilers weren't able to hold on and win this hockey game. Nashville pushed harder, and Nashville, when they needed a save, they got a save. When they needed a goal, they got a goal. When they needed a hit, they got a hit. When they needed a back check, they got a back check. And I don't. it's no fluke to where they are in the National Hockey League standings. They are one of the elite teams in the National Hockey League, and I would think one of the top three favorites to win the Stanley Cup this year. All right, Predators take it 4-2. Their general manager, David Poyle, more wins as a GM than anybody ever. His comments for BDO, first call debt debt solutions, bankruptcies, and consumer proposals, licensed insolvency trustees. Am I supposed to say something? (laughs) Congratulations on it. Thank you very much. How does it feel to be to get this win here. Well, the win felt great actually being down 2-0. Um, but it's, it's, it's great. I've, I owe everything to the game of hockey. I mean, for me, it actually started here in Edmonton. I, I lived here from ages 3 to 13. And my dad, as most of you know, was the coach and general manager of the, the Flyers. So this was my uh, introduction to hockey here in Edmonton. Uh, Glenn Sather was the longtime manager here of the Oilers. And that's the record that I, I went ahead of tonight. And, you know, Glenn is obviously one of my best friends, almost, a, I guess, a mentor to me. Learned so much from, from Glenn. So there's a lot of those good memories. And, again, just... Uh, <clears throat> Tying it into hockey as a whole, I mean, I've been in this game. This is my 46th year in the National Hockey League. It's just, it's incredible that uh, I've I've been in this that the game that that long. And like I say, it's all my friends are in in hockey. Everything that I've ever gotten is in hockey. So it's, uh, I don't know, it just feels really 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 neat i'm really happy for my family my wife and my daughter were here uh tonight my wife has been there for all 1320 wins and she's been there for the whole thousand losses <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh keep track of the losses no i just read it uh, yesterday what it what it was there's over a thousand losses i mean so you know it's it's uh it's a lot of games i mean the games it was over 20 2600 games so they were kidding me they they came down here and they said uh well this would be a record that uh Nobody will beat. I said, well, who wants to beat it? (laughs) 
at a milestone like this, is this where you get a chance to kind of reflect on what you've done in your yeah. Because I imagine you're so busy all the time. No, absolutely. In the last couple of days, uh, there's been some interviews back in Nashville, and I've talked to a lot of people that have meant a lot to me in my hockey life. I mean, uh, Cliff Fletcher was the one that uh, hired me, that gave me my first chance in, in Atlanta, and he was uh, my mentor. Um, you know, Dick Patrick hired me in Washington, and uh, know you know know him real well over the, the years. Uh, Jack Diller used to be with the Rangers, and he got the job with the president of the Predators. He hired me uh, in, in Nashville, and then you know we have assistants like Paul Fenton that I've been with for a long time, 19 out of the 20 years in Nashville. Ray Shiro was my assistant before he got the job in Pittsburgh. So you know it goes on and on. Uh, so just it's, it's all good. It's I mean I'm I'm somebody asked me today you know where are you? I'm in a great place. I mean you know coming to Nashville 20 years ago, I, I really had a vision or hope, dream if you will, that uh, that we could make it a hockey city, and it's turned out unbelievable. You know obviously the last couple of years and specifically last year was just fantastic uh, how we played and the run we had in the playoffs and you, you all saw the support and what kind of a hockey city Nashville's become and uh, you know today now we have a waiting list for season tickets so whoever thought that was going to happen yeah three, three ownerships and a possible move to Canada and those are the, those are the usual <laughs> bumps that you have when they kept changing owners that you're the general manager yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, what's really amazing because uh, you know when there's when there's changes in an organization, it's uh, either the coach or the general manager or, or, or both. And for for whatever reason, I've always seemed to land at the right place or at the at the right right time. So I believe me, there's a lot. Of, it takes a lot of luck in this in this business. I think you have to be uh, be good, and hopefully we've had decent teams. So I think you got to be a bit a bit lucky. You have to have people that believe in you or on on your on your side. And um, I've been I've been pretty fortunate. I was the uh, uh, administrative assistant. That's how they hired me. They hired me to work for Bill Putnam, who was the president, and Cliff, who was the general manager. Cliff was living in St. Louis because at that time he was a, uh, he had just finished up being the assistant GM of the St. Louis Blues. So I, I moved right to Atlanta. I opened up the office uh, as age, I think I was 21 years of age, I opened up the office. We were in a trailer by the Omni and there was a big billboard above the office. Uh, a red goalie said, uh, "The ice age cometh to Atlanta. Get your tickets before the freeze." And uh, and the first the first actual uh, job or project I had was to run the name the team contest. So uh, and then uh, what happened? Uh, you know, I was doing a lot of administrative and business stuff, and uh, set up a scouting program, which nobody ever thought of setting up a scouting program. And I, I did that, and then uh, right in the latter part of the the year. Uh, we were kind of short on help and scouting. What having Cliff gave me a couple of uh, assignments, and I recommended uh, two or three players that we actually signed, and a coach who we actually signed, which was Fred Creighton, who uh, ran our farm club. And from that time on, uh, I became Cliff's guy. And did you put the mask on? Oh, I did. Is my hair all messed up? Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. I, I thought you could see out of that, but you can't. <laughs> anyway. I can't imagine it's been washed very often. <laughs> I, I'm a good, good point, Adam. I might have to, so, uh, All right, good stuff there from uh, David Poyle. You know, what did he say, 46 years in the uh, NHL and, and uh, lived in Edmonton when he was a kid and his dad was uh, running the old Edmonton Flyers of the Western League, which was a farm team for the uh, for the Detroit Red Wings. So that was Bud Poyle. So they lived here from when David was uh, three to when he was 13. So yeah. connection to Edmonton there too. Yeah, a neat story. And he is, he is very good at what he does. And you don't stay around in the National Hockey League for the length of time he has been unless you're good at what you do. And he's he's one of the best. He's well-respected, and he's built a, a very, very good hockey club. Oilers lose 4-2 to the Predators. More time for your phone calls, 780-496-0063. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Final score, Rogers place, Nashville Predators 4, Edmonton Oilers 2, McDavid and Dreisaitl scored in the first period, Hartnell and Arvidsson scored late in the second period, 
Arvidsson scored again at 14.52. Watson, some insurance, and the Oilers are winless in their last 12 against the Predators. Ethan Bear made his Edmonton Oilers debut, his NHL debut. Let's hear from him. For GCL Diesel, for genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices, visit GCL in the West End or online at gcldiesel.com. So you get to play your first NHL game. What was it like? It was fun. Um, you know, the nerves were right up there, and, you know, the excitement level was up there. And, um, you know, to play a really good team like Nashville was a good experience, honestly. Uh, you know, I just got to get my feet moving a little bit more and, you know, just keep moving the puck. But I thought I felt, I felt pretty good. And You've played at all the levels now. What's the biggest difference in playing at this one? Probably just, uh, you know, moving it quick. Um, you know, everyone's in the right position. Um, you know, the, the smarts and, you know, the skill is also a big factor. And, um, yeah, I think it was just, you know, moving it quick and, you know, seeing how fast they, they think it was a good experience to see. It seems like Todd had a lot of confidence in you tonight, kept on putting you out there. Uh, to have that confidence from the coach, what does that mean for you? Oh, it feels feels really good to know they, they trust my abilities. And, um, you know, that, that's a good feeling for me. And, you know, uh, just got to learn from the mistakes I made tonight and, you know, think positive and move forward. And, um, you know, I was talking to Paul Coffey, and he's going to help me out a lot. So I'm looking forward to that. Talk about that mistake. You guys moved up late in the period on a kind of 50-50 pinch where you'd yeah. probably sit back the next time and say, we'll just take him on two on two. Yeah, uh, that was just like, I don't know, I kind of hesitated and I tried to go for it the last minute. And, you know, if I don't hesitate, I get that puck. And, and if I hesitate next time, just got to back out. So, um, you know, watching the video on that already, just, uh, you know, it's a learning learning uh, steps. So, you know, I just got to keep positive and, you know, just want to keep learning and get better. Read that, Ethan Bear. All right, Brendan Ulrich working the Oilers' room. Uh, Ethan Bear describing that uh, tough play for him right at the end of the second period led to the Predators' tying goal. So, yeah, I mean, he made a mistake there. He described it well, yep. like we talked about, the hesitate, the hesitation or, or knowing you got to back out in that situation. I, I did think tonight, again, first game we see him, he, he knows where to put the puck in the mm-hmm. offensive end. No, he's smart. He, he, he understands the game. He's good with the puck on his stick. Obvi- I mean, this wasn't coming in and, and just getting his feet, just, you know, tipping it into the shallow water and taking it slow. He's he's coming in, played a regular shift against, uh, you know, one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. And he ended up, where did he end up for ice time today? I think he was at 17. S- oh, yeah. Oh, 15 minutes. 14, sorry. 14, 14, 14. yeah. So almost 15 minutes. So he, he got to play. And, and you got to like the fact that when mistakes were made, Todd McClellan continued to put him back out on the ice because you're not going to learn unless you, you you actually get out on the ice and play against the best. So he knows now the, what the speed is like at the National Hockey League level. He knows that things that you did in junior, things that you did in, in, in the minors that may be 50-50, they get exposed at this level. And it was a good learning experience for him. So um, I, I think he's going to be proud of the fact that he's now played in the National Hockey League. And he's going to take what he learned t- tonight. And if he gets to play next game, he's going to be a little bit better. So it was fun. Oilers lose 4-2 to the Predators. We're looking for somebody who wants to finish the play at 780-496-0063. Earlier tonight on Faceoff Trivia, Bob knew that the Colorado Rockies were the team besides the Boston Bruins that Don Cherry coached in the NHL. Bob gets a $50 gift card to Buffet Royale Carvery, courtesy of Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. It'll be a Don Don Cherry-themed night tomorrow. Here at Rogers Place, when the Oil Kings take on the Calgary Hitmen, they're going to be wearing sweaters that look like a loud (laughs) Don Cherry jacket. We interviewed... Cindy Cherry on the Face Off show, who will be at the game. That's Don's daughter, and it's also all about uh, organ donation awareness. And she told the story of in uh, 1979 donating a kidney to her brother Tim. Incredible. Well, that's what you do for family members. Uh, a, a pretty incredible family, the Cherry family. My, I got to meet Don Cherry's brother Dick. He was very good friends with my father, and one year the Canlips Blazers hosted the Memorial Cup in Kamloops, and Dick Cherry spent the, the full week at our house, and he is just as engaging and as fun as, as Don Cherry is. So we do have a, we've known that family for a while. My father lived not very far away from them growing up. All right, Kellen, let's hear that finish the play clue. Rebound kicked off the boards. Lucic in a breakaway coming for Connor McDavid. In on net. Free shot. 
All right, we have Trevor on the line. Trevor, we want to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park. Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. Second period breakaway for McDavid. Did he score? No, that wrecked the game. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> Rebound kicked off the boards. Lucic in a breakaway coming for Connor McDavid. In on net. Free shot denied. Rene with the right pad save, and then McDavid a centering pass. Well, certainly reminiscent of the Boston game when a McDavid breakaway could have made it 3-0. Boston came back to win that one. They got all their goals in the third. Nashville started late in the second period. Man, it's just, and again, Rob, it's like which, it's almost like with the Oilers this year, which way do you want to lose? They fall behind 2-0. A lot earlier, you know, earlier uh, this year in the in the 2018 part of the schedule, they were had that long stretch where they would fall behind two nothing, allow the first shot, trail two nothing before the game was ten minutes on. They'd lose those games. So we're saying like, well, they got to get the lead, they got to get the lead, and now they've had two nothing or two goal leads. In lose games lo- in a row. Lose to Boston. Just going back. If you lose yeah. to Boston, lose tonight. Almost blow a two-goal lead late against L.A. Do blow a two-goal lead right at the end against Anaheim, even though they won. So, I mean, it just goes back to our whole thing. Mean, they're, not, they're not good enough. They, no. they, 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 they find too many ways to, to give it away, make a mistake, or the other team just executes better when it counts. Well, over 62 games or 61 games or wherever they're at right now, 63 games, 64 now I guess it is too, they've been exposed. Uh, the deficiencies in their game have been exposed, and now it's up to Peter Shirelli and, and uh, the rest of the management team and the scouting team to, to figure out how they can fill the holes. And they need to be better because status quo will not be good enough going forward next year, uh, and there's going to have to be some changes. We'll see what they are. One thing I wanted to talk about, and you and I talked about it during the game, so Nashville is in a 2-2 tie. Third period, they get a power play. Mm-hmm. And they didn't use their first power play unit for the full first for the whole two minutes. And it was really interesting because they got the others got the penalty, and it was during a, it, it was right before a TV timeout. So there was the two minute or three minute stretch where there's a timeout for the commercials. So Nashville has plenty of time to rest their players. They come out with their. I think it was their third line. Yeah, because it was Hartnell, Yarncrock, the guys that got the first goal. Yeah. So or, they, yeah, and Benino. And they that came, was the power they came out for their first unit, and then their second unit they came out was the, the Turris power play unit, which is their second power. So we didn't see Forsberg. We didn't see Johansson. We didn't see P.K. Subban on a power play in the third period of a tie game. I mean, I was, I'm was i looking, okay, uh, those guys hurt. Did all five of them get hurt? But there was something that... Uh, Laviolette didn't like, apparently. Uh, And it was interesting because they didn't play the power play, but the first shift after the power play, that whole group was out because they went head-to-head against Connor McDavid in a face-off in their own zone. So it would have been interesting to hear the the thought process behind that or if he was just simply sending a message. We'll get to Laviolette in a couple of minutes. I mentioned this on the Faceoff show. For only the fifth time this season, the Oilers score a power play goal and don't allow one against. Nashville's done it 15 times. Well, they, they still lose. Yeah, but. and one of the things that we talked about is the Oilers have been good five on five tonight. Not so much as they gave up four five on five goals. We still have Trevor on the line who won finished the play. Trevor also has a, a question here. Go ahead, Trevor. I, I'm just blown away lately of how we how they score in the last like minute of the game like in the third period and the second period like I don't think I've ever seen an Oilers team get scored on that much are we putting on the wrong players near the end of the game or well I think sorry Rob no go ahead well I, I think in Anaheim just recently I think in Anaheim and LA there was a bit, little bit of a lack of poise guys trying to get empty netters to get out of slumps I think uh, what Boston won it with just over a minute left. That was a matter of time. They just crushed the Oilers in the third period. And, yeah, tonight, I mean, nine, nine seconds left in the second period. And and Bear, Bear talked about it. Inexperienced player, went for a puck, uh, didn't get it, and that, and that comes down to game management. So I don't know if it's necessarily one thing, Trevor, but there have yeah. definitely been recently and through a lot of the season some mistakes late in periods. Yeah, lots. It's, I've never seen it, actually. The other thing is, I was just wondering if Bear, like, I don't know if Russell's on the same side as Bear, but it, he might have been a better pairing. I don't know if Russell plays on the same side well, as Bear. Russell shoots left, but he can play both sides. He was mostly on the right side with Nurse today. They put Sekera with Bear. 
And yeah, that guy has been hurting this year. He's having a really he's tough not, year. Yeah, he's not doing good at all. It's almost like he threw Bear under the bus, sort of a little bit. No, I, I don't know that. I, I think the, the mistakes that were made, there was the one mistake Sekra kind of didn't throw the puck hard enough around, but there was two other mistakes that created that goal. And, uh, I mean, it was there was a pl- there's plenty of mistakes made by many different individuals tonight. Yeah. I mean, some were by rookies, some were by vets, and at the end of the day, when you do that against a, uh, an experienced good hockey club, you're going to find yourself on the, the wrong side of the scoreboard. Yeah, because that, that first goal, thanks, Trevor, those were good questions. That first goal, Bear had pinched, but Strom covered for him. And then Strom and, and Sekera were back as the two defensemen trying to work the puck back and forth. And Bear was trying to be a winger, I think, or be an outlet pass. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, if Strom and, and Sekera are able to work that north-south, that doesn't matter yeah, where Bear's standing. They right, went so. east-west, and then Strom got stuck in the corner with the puck on a stick and just got muscled off the puck. And then a really, really pretty Nashville goal after that is their... I'm guessing that's their third line. They moved yep. it around like they're <laughs> like Crosby, Malkin, and Kesselwood, and they made a very nice play, put the puck in the net. Good old Scott Hartnell, Lloyd Minster boy. Hey, he had a strong game tonight. My first summer there was the year he got drafted. 2000. I was going to say, shows you're pretty old. Yeah. Well, he's been, been in while. the league a long time. He, he keeps plugging away. He can still play. You know, and he's the type of guy that you want on your team. He's a heart and soul type of player, and every team that's successful has those kind of players on their team. Oilers lose 4-2, $50 donation. To the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They give $25 for every Oilers goal. The total, 4475 You can track it on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. All right, you'll hear from Preds coach Peter Laviolette, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. The final Predators 4, Oilers 2. The winning coach, Peter Laviolette, for BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. Peter, before we get to the game, I know we asked you about this this morning, but now that David has broken the record for most wins among general managers, I guess, what does that accomplishment mean to you watching being able to be a part of that? Well, I think we're all just glad to be a part of it. Um, You know, having been here now for three and a half years, getting on four years and watching him work, um, there's no question that he deserves everything that he gets. He's a... um, he works incredibly hard at his job. He works incredibly hard at the human side of things, inside of an organization. Um, just a terrific person, a terrific GM. It's it's very well deserved, I can tell you that. Just just from being on the inside and speaking from what I know, he's earned it. He's really earned it. Just on the contest, being able to battle back and get that late goal in the second period. Yeah, that was big. Um, and we talked about it. <clears throat> First period was tough. I actually didn't think we played that bad. The chances were in our favor. I liked some of the things we did. We got caught on a our defenseman didn't have a stick on the first goal and then the second one they you know, they got able to score a goal off the rush on the on the power play, but um, five on five I thought we were okay. And it just didn't go away on the scoreboard, so we tried to just stay positive and talked about winning the second period. The first goal was big because that gave I think any time when you're down by two, if you can get one, it gives you a little bit of life. But certainly the one right before the period ended put things square, and now you know you just got to win the third period and win a game. Pekarina made about three yeah. big saves for you in the third period. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the breakaway was even the breakaway was a great one. Um, you know, a couple couple point blank chances from the slot, so he. He was he was fantastic. He's been fantastic. Peter, I know you swapped them at various points in the game, but you started Ryan Hartman with Philip yeah. and Ryan, and put Victor with Colton and Austin. What went into that decision, at least to start the game? So, every things are going to move around. You know, we're just going to keep changing. I can always go back to it. I, I already know that Johansson, Arvidsson, and Forsberg is a terrific line, um, but players are going to be moving in and out of the lineup. Um, Lines are going to be moving around a little bit. We'll try not to disrupt it too much, but in the same at the same time, I want everybody playing. Like I want everybody to be playoff ready, not just 20 guys. So, you know, that means some guys have to sit some nights, and some guys have to move their lines sometimes. And you know, we got a guy like uh, Ryan Hartman who comes in here. He's got a lot of skill, and I want to see what he can do too. So, 
Um, for me, I'm just looking at different things. I know I can always move the lines back around like I did tonight, but you know, I, I, to be honest, I feel comfortable with any 20 guys that go in the lineup, and you're going to see that down the stretch. So, um, you know, it's 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 good that we're able to do that, and we're in a position to do that. But like I said, the, one of the one of the main things for me is to make sure that everybody's playoff ready. Well, uh, well spoken right there. And some of the things, the key things that he talked about, he talked about the fact that getting the first goal, when you're down 2 nothing. we talked, you and I, read that if the Oilers could have extended that lead to 3 nothing, the game is over. And he talked, we got that 2-1 goal, now we believed in ourselves. The goal at the end of the period, now we, we knew that if we win a, win a period, we win a game. And that's another thing. We talked about how important that game, that goal at the very end. And the, the thing that really stood out that what he said there is we had the, I think it was our first caller today, talked about the fact he didn't like how Todd McClellan changed all the lines and moved players around and he needed to have them in the right spot and don't load up. Well, Peter Laviolette just said that's what he's doing, and he's doing it consistently. He's changing players all the time. He knows that he's got a number one line that he can go back to at any point, kind of like the others have with McDavid going back with Dreisaitl at any point in the hockey game. The Tonight, Arvidsson started on their fourth line, and over the course of the game, they moved things around. He eventually came back to the first line, and he ends up scoring two goals in the third, well, late in the second and in the third period. So, uh, and as you said before, if you take away all the emotion and you just watch from up top and watch any team all teams are doing the exact same thing unfortunately for the others they don't have the the depth and, and talent as as a nashville team but peter lively is doing the exact same things that tom mcclellan is he's moving his players he's interchanging pulling guys in and out of the lineup but he has his set to that when things get tough when he needs something that he knows is consistent he'll put them back together and he did tonight and that was the difference in the hockey game that's our adjustment of the game for the alberta college and association of chiropractors if it hurts see a chiropractor visit albertachiro.com so the oilers lose 4-2 still 18 games to go. Next one against the Rangers on Saturday night. Face-off show will be at 7. Game will start at 8.30. Just quickly, Rob. I mean, look, the Oilers aren't, aren't playing for a playoff spot. Uh, what do you hope they can accomplish on Saturday? Well, the New York Rangers are coming in here with uh, a depleted lineup. They, they Some of their best players are Nash, a Grabner, gone. McDonough, gone. Uh, this is not the New York Rangers that started the season as a team that hoped to make the National Hockey League playoffs. This is a team that has started a rebuild. They are going to be weak on the back end. The Oilers are going to get scoring chances. It'll be a night with a lot of chances going both ways. Hopefully the Oilers will be able to take advantage of a very inexperienced back end of the New York Rangers. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer back at the 630 Chet Broadcasting Compound, and to Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place. You can get more on 630Chet.com. The final Predators 4 Oilers 2. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Have a great night.